I don't think you guys can see me, can you? But I think you can hear me. So you can you can hear me, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Now the question is, yeah. The question is if you can hear me, why is it saying no signal? Bear with me, folks. I'm going to try and find a way to fix this because I can't start it again. Shaz, in the meantime, why don't you create a new uh, a new thingamajig? Just, just to be on the safe side, but I can't work out why there is no signal. There, definitely there. Why is it no signal? Oh, wait, it is there. Hold on. Has it just come back? Ajeeb. All right, okay. All right. The right, problem is, is that the whole thing has collapsed. One second. Well, it's not collapsed, but it's absolutely miles down, isn't it? How am I going to blag this? The way do you blag this is to do a pack job like that. Let's see if this works. This is what happens when you're on your Jack Jones. Yeah, okay. That's okay enough, I think. Although, although I think, no, what can I use to make this a bit fatter? Yeah, okay, I know. This remote control will do a great job. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That'll do. That's gonna have to do for now, folks. Okay, but otherwise it becomes a mission. Actually, I can lift this up. There you go. All right. Okay. Oh, one second. Yeah. All right. Okay. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil alamin. Allahumma salli wa sallim. Wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Oh, flickering. Flickering, flickering. So it's not. That's very interesting. That the flicker is back. My apologies to those who are on the podcast. Actually, those on a podcast, you're not gonna you're gonna get that first part cut off anyway, because I forgot to uh put on the thing anyway. So Shaz is gonna have to rip it from here. But anyway, this is actually very useful to understand what's going on because I'm on my laptop, which worked seamlessly last week, right? But then I swore that the week before when I did the test, um when I did the test on the uh what's it called? When I did the test on the um on my desktop with the new settings the test worked flawlessly so 
I'm not too sure. So now we know that the flicker is definitely there. Whether I use desktop or laptop, we change the cable, we change the software, we change the hardware, and it's still there. And yet, never is there a problem with Zoom. Could the elevation is putting a strain on the cable, but we changed the cable. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we're any closer to where we want to be, truth be told. But anyway, at least we've got a picture now, and it's all right, and it's not flickering that much. All right? So, Tawakkala Allah, inshallah, and let's uh, let's uh, move on. Yeah, I think, you know, the no signal, as soon as I touched it, as soon as I touched the cable, it, it, it the, the picture came, the picture came back. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. All right, folks, we're not going to waste any time with that. I've been very conscious that people who are on the podcast are getting a real bum deal, Yanni, out of this. They're not getting any a, a coherent, smooth class, and um, that's just not right. So, inshallah, today, although I've now realized why Shazad Salim is in such a good mood, Yanni, these days, and I realized because he's realized that this entire class this entire year is all going to be online from my office. That's what he's now realized, isn't he? And he's realized that there's absolutely nothing to do. And yeah, I can see this focus thing going up and down as well. And you know what? That's even more irritating. So that, that deserves yeah, I need some major slaps towards Yahya. Where is he? One second. All right. One second. Yahya, you fish. Yahya, you fish. Calm down immediately before you die. A painful death of out of focus proportions. That's how we have to do things, yeah? You see that? I have to literally email the guy. Okay? All right. So, where are we? We are... On page 53 of the commentary, in terms of the section, we covered it like the, the, the kind of section that we're, we're doing right now. We covered it last week. We basically um, we basically started the subsection of um, actions in the prayer. The And we had a little discussion about what, actions could be the various nature of uh of actions and what would be too many and so on and to be honest we've covered that in a lot of detail in the previous uh section okay a lot of detail so i don't think we need to go back over that again now saying that um saying that there is more to talk about and it is important that we cover it because there is a uh, a connection which is outside of the normal discussion of just movement and more to do with what, how you compensate for it or not. And it actually will get quite interesting. So, But before I start that, I was just thinking and reviewing some notes and uh, also some questions on the portal. And I wanted to make sure that I cover a few theoretical points as well. Okay, When I say theoretical points, I mean... Uh, uh, questions that were relevant to different aspects of the class before that maybe we didn't get an opportunity to kind of go through. 
So one of them was, for example, well, this one's coming up and I, I repeat it often. And uh, I see on Telegram, uh, our Telegram group, that someone actually even used this answer to respond to someone's question. And that is that when you're praying behind an imam, one of the blessings and one of the reasons you pray as much as, as you can in congregation and one of the blessings and to take advantage of the dua of the Prophet ﷺ for the imam that they are forgiven is that they soak up all the mistakes of the musallin, right? It's important. I mean, this is not so relevant. Now it's going to be relevant uh, later on uh, in the next few weeks when we start going into more details of the how to actually fix mistakes and what kind of mistakes in the prayer. We start breaking it down. Um, but I want you to know from now to be confident that the uh, the actual um, mistakes that you make whilst you're praying by yourself, for example, missing out uh, sunnah aspects or even wajib aspects, like even, for example, forgetting to say Allahu Akbar, right, which is obligatory upon you to say, uh, or to say Rabbana wa lakal hamd, for example, or to say Subhan Rabbil Adim or Subhan Rabbil A'la, etc., etc. These are uh, wajibat, right? So these wajibat, they are swallowed up by the fact that you're uh, uh, praying behind the imam and they don't even require you to do a sajda sahum, okay? They don't require sajda sahum. As for arkan, if you missed a rukan, then that's that's a problem, okay? So arkan need to be fixed one way or the other, all right? And that is not yani, covered or carried by the imam. Now, similar to that, moving on to another point that we spoke about is when, you know, uh, someone makes a mistake and, uh, sorry, the imam makes a mistake. And when the imam has made a mistake, you realize it. We spoke about the person who knows about it, who doesn't know about it, who knows about it, but forgets about it, or he who recognizes it, but doesn't know what to do. Right. So those are kind of the four categories of people. So let's talk about the guy who knows about it and try to warn you and you advise and you, uh, you know, so you say, subhanallah, subhanallah, and the imam doesn't clock on. Okay, let's just go through a couple of scenarios, first of all. The first scenario, when the imam doesn't clock on, it's either because he's ignoring you or because he didn't understand. If we take the first scenario of didn't understand, I did speak a little bit about this, but I want to be even more clear, all right, that... Um, and I think I gave my own personal example as well. You say subhanallah and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the imam, you know, might not know what's going on, be confused, lots of voices, doesn't trust them all. Um, you know, he might be reciting a surah, for example. The classic is if you're reciting a surah, right? So you're reciting a surah in your middle of, or anywhere in the, in the Quran you're reciting. And what happens is that you hear subhanallah and immediately what you think is mistake. Right? That's when that's when people make tasbih. So you hear subhanAllah, so you think mistake. Now your mind is thinking, what's your mistake? Your immediate thing is going to be going to the verse you're reciting. You're thinking that that's the problem, right? So you might start the surah from the beginning again, or you might start the ayah from the beginning again, and that's actually not your problem. Your problem, right? Your problem, um, by the way, make sure everybody is live, yeah? Again, a reminder to everybody to look and make sure that the red dot is showing on the uh, YouTube video or the, the, the video on the portal or whether you're, you're watching it separately. Now, um, you see, I told you email threats work incredibly efficiently. Right, then you fish. Where have you been? Alaikum salam. 
what, 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 what's this? Uh, what's this? What, what, what is it? Is it on the right thing? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. So why is it so rubbish, man? It goes uh, focusing on all the rest of it. Huh? Did I not turn it on? No. Yeah. You just said it was on. No, you're looking at what's going on. Press the screen. Yeah, of course, yeah. So what? Uh, and then it, it, it's only working if it's AF lock on. So because you just pressed it now and it didn't have, you see, I told you when there's some, when there's no one sitting here, it won't do AF lock on. I told you that before. I go if it's an empty chair and you press it, it's just going to remain a box. What's it going to lock onto? Yeah, it, it, it locks onto the screen normally, and that's when it comes and locks onto them. So if there's nothing there, then it locks onto you and comes to the screen. Right. Okay. Take it away. So if it's sorted, that's fine then. All right. Um. So. So, so the first scenario I'm going to say is you confuse the guy, you confuse the imam, and he doesn't know what's going on now. All right, he doesn't know where it's, uh, where he's at, where uh, what's going on. So he keeps repeating the verse and he keeps getting told subhanallah, subhanallah. In actual fact, what he's done is that he's forgotten to recite Surah Al-Fatiha. He's jumped straight into the uh, surah, like for example. Okay, um, it's allowed for you to now speak now. We had this discussion before, we had a couple of years ago as well, and we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, that speaking, right, in, is, is not, is, this is not called speaking, because we're going to use specific words, super minimal, only what's necessary, and we're going to restrict them so that the prayer is not ruined. Now, this is not normally called speaking. However, there's no doubt that it is speaking, right? Technically speaking, right? It is, or linguistically speaking, it is speaking. However, legally or Islamically, in terms of a ruling, it's not considered speaking. And that's yeah, something which is important to get your head around. So you, you need to restrict yourself to phrases that are as congruent or as, as, as uh, 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 connected, uh, as smooth with the prayer itself so arabic has got to be a must and and uh trying to minimize any words which are not part of the prayer and adhkar itself has got to be a must and we should avoid um amia which is just basically localized accents and versions or whatever and uh english or urdu a foreign language now I, 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 I must say, I must say that in my heart, I think that there might be some kind of possible, I mean, never would I say it's allowed publicly, but in my heart, I, I want to say that in an emergency scenario where it was a complete mess and the imam didn't understand what on earth was going on, I think someone speaking out in English with minimum words, I do not. I, I'm sympathetic to the idea that the prayer would not be invalidated. So, for example, the scholars have generally widespread across accepted that a person can say um, Surah Al-Fatiha. Now, there's no doubt that that's a poor choice because obviously you would say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. That's what you should say. Imam immediately clicks on and he's like, okay, right? If he doesn't, 
then you are allowed, as Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti, for example, stated, Iqra al-Fatiha, Iqra Surah al-Fatiha, read Surah al-Fatiha, okay? Or Nasit al-Fatiha, you have forgotten al-Fatiha. That would be the minimum. You've literally used Fatiha, which is okay, as part of Quran, part of Arabic, part of yani, dhikr. Nasit yani, is the word which is foreign, but not so foreign, because it's from Arabic and pure Arabic, etc. And basically, you've just told the guy, you forgot al-Fatiha. The guy should clock on. So imagine that it was lost. I think, as I said, in emergency scenario, if someone said that from the back, he said, you know, you forgot Fatiha. Just for example, I don't think that that prayer is invalidated for that person. I would be, I, I'd be hesitant to say your prayer is invalidated. I don't think I'd have the confidence to do it myself. I mean, I'd have no need. Well, well, you might because if the person doesn't read, doesn't understand Arabic, you might, you might have to say that, right? So if there's some pack imam or some whatever imam that doesn't know Arabic, then you might need to say that to to hook him up. Yeah, and, but in principle, there's no doubt that speech, and let alone speech outside of the jins of the prayer, which means outside of adhkar and outside of fusha, classical Arabic, and then a foreign language, there's an almost uh, well, there is an agreement. There is an agreement consensus that that invalidates the prayer this however almost comes under a, ca a case of necessity and even then i can see it much more preferable to cancel the prayer and start again than to start telling people it's okay for you to speak in your language to the to the imam so i'm just putting that out there uh fatah is easy though because you'd say alhamdulillah rabbil alameen okay and they would clock on if the person missed ruku, he went for sajda you might say you might say some you know, these are easy things. And then if not, you might say Rukur. Now, I just want to add a little point here that um this is what I'm talking about, this issue of inside the prayer speaking. This is different to what the Prophet used to say when he used to be on a journey, as been narrated a few times, not the strongest of hadith, but yani good enough. When he would be a musafir leading the prayer, and he knows that he has a congregation that has people that you know don't uh, are not uh, travelers, residents, and they need to pray the full four, for example, as he's praying too, the practice of the Prophet would be to say, complete your prayers because we are travelers. Right now, now that is his sunnah. It's actually interesting that, I mean, we'll come to that in his right section. It was not one of the established sunnah of the Prophet, as far as I know, meaning that it wasn't something which is legislated to always insist, like you see today, where the Imam turns around and says, Listen, I'm a musafir, so I'm praying to you, so make sure you stand up after you know, after after two. Now, that's a completely halal to do and it's an accepted etiquette and it makes sense especially in areas that don't get it and you know they might not have a lot of knowledge or they might you know be confused and whatever however the sunnah is actually to do it at the end ironically even if they give the salam with you which is why it is argued or certainly my position that when an imam is uh, uh praying by you know with for only a few people of travelers and himself and the rest of the people are not. My personal practice, because of that's my personal opinion, is that I will say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. 
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Atimu salatukum fa inna qawmun safar. That's what I would do. So I would give salam for me to exit the prayer quiet enough for maybe the guy behind me to hear because he's also a traveler. And even if he can't hear, it doesn't matter. I just want to exit the prayer. Then I will say loudly, complete your prayer because we are travelers. Now, this statement is what the Prophet ﷺ would say out loud. The people would then stand up and complete their prayers. Now, this, I tell people to just say in English. There are people who try to memorize this Arabic phrase and they think it's a sunnah to say the Arabic phrase. This is a classic example where it's not an act of worship to say this statement as it is. The act of worship here is that the Prophet ﷺ is trying to help people who might not be who might be confused and just making it easy for them, just clarifying for them. So there's no sunnah aspect here or reward to sticking to the Arabic, for example, in my opinion, because this is purely min babul ikhbariya, babul ikhbar. Sorry, this is this is an area of where the, the the intention or the reasoning is just to inform people what the right thing to do is. So here, I I I often will say, folks, uh, complete your prayer because we're travelers. That's my normal uh, habit. Now, why did we speak about this for? Oh, yeah, speaking. So I would want people to get confused between this, which is after the salam, and it's therefore technically not part of the prayer, technically, and what I'm talking about, which is inside the prayer. Now, the second scenario is that when the imam has been told what's, what's going on and he ignores you. So he says, subhanAllah, and he ignores you. Right, so he stood up for the fifth rakaah in Salat al-Dhuhr, and he carries on. You know that definitely you prayed for. What did we say? We say you sit down, and we said if you sit down, then you should exit the prayer, finish the prayer, exit the prayer. No sajda sahu upon you, no sujud sahu upon you. You've not made any mistakes, and you've done the right thing. We also said that another option is for you to sit down and wait for the imam, and then give salam with the imam. If you do that, folks, okay. Um, and then afterwards, the imam's going to turn around and says, Why did you guys say that to me? And you say, You prayed five, by the way. All right. And he confirms that he's going to go down for sajda to correct it. When he goes down for sajda to correct it, okay. When he goes down for sajda to correct it, do you go down with him or not? What's that's my question for you. And that's what the one thing I, I don't know whether I clarified or not with you who was following. Who separate didn't actually separate from the prayer, you were waiting. Well done. All right. You got it right. And he's the only person who got it right. The reason that you will go down with him for sajda is because you didn't exit from the prayer. You waited with the Imam. Okay. You waited with the Imam. You're part of that same prayer you are still connected to it. Now, if you had exited before, there would have been no sajda. But because you waited, because you hanged about, and you, which is also fine, but I'm just making sure that you know if you do hang about, then you are connected to the imam regardless. Now, some of you might say, well, hold on. Um, how can I be uh, uh, Muhammad Zaid ibn Muhammad Zain? Your comment is working fine, just to let you know. Um, no. I don't think I, I don't, no, we haven't uh, uh, covered the traveler prayer areas. Uh, Adil, I don't think I said that unless someone else can confirm. Okay. But, uh, and if I did, then maybe I made a mistake or whatever. I don't know. But I'm just making it clear that there's a principle that needs to be covered. 
which is that if you are part of a prayer, you make sajda regardless of whether you made the mistake or not. So, for example, I mean, that happens a lot in the prayer, or it could potentially happen a lot in the prayer. You know, you could get up, sorry, the imam could get up. Um, you recite the shahud, for example. That's a classic example. There you go. The imam could sit down and have a complete yani, block out of the brain and and not recite the shahud or recite al-fatiha, for example, whilst he's sitting down in the shahud. Now, you guys behind are all reciting the shahud. Then he stands up. As he's standing up and he starts reciting fatiha again, he's like, hold on, this sounds familiar. Then he realizes, hold on, I just said this while sitting down, right? And now that you've said that while sitting down, you realize you made a mistake. Now we're going to learn from later on that you're not allowed now to sit back down again. You're not allowed, right? That's gone. You have to carry on with the prayer. You've obviously added to the prayer and missed the prayer and messed it up, but it's not, it's, it's salvageable. What you're going to do is at the end of the prayer, you're going to do a sajda. At the end of the prayer here, when you do the sajda, when you do the sajda, when you do this sajda, okay. What's wrong? Oh, right. Yes. Okay, guys, listen. Sorry, I forgot. It's very, very important because Heather specifically requested this. And I did promise that I would do this. So Heather wrote me a letter. And she said, um, but she, it has to be uh, done urtro uh, style. So, um, so let me just uh, open it up and take it out and get it right and read it Otro style. There we go. Right. So this is important, okay, guys. And you know, you know how it's done. Saturday in Quebec, we'll have a look at it like this, and also we'll have a look at it like that. And that's obviously you can see the the uh, the it's a scroll as you can see, right. And this is what it reads. In fact, let me show you if you can see that. No, not a chance. No, it's too difficult. Anyway, I'm going to read it. In fact, Heba, why don't you, because you're the messenger of the Sultan, Heba, why don't you read it? Come on down. Assalamu alaikum, every Muslim in the world. My name is Heba. You might not know me but you might know my dad abu isa ae and don't know me about it huh? but huh? but it is nervous to meet a person that you have never met before so this is why i wrote a letter to every muslim in the world you know about the coronavirus, it is spreading fast, but good luck, it only lives on a surface for three days. Just want to say, wash your hands, love from Hiba. That's a very important message from Hiba and the Sultan. We will appreciate this and we will respect it accordingly. Please, Yani, tell the Sultan we are very grateful and that uh, to, to, to please not send Saadat in Quebec ever again in our life. Okay? Okay. All right. I'll see you later, inshallah. Tomorrow morning, Hiba, yeah? Assalamu alaikum. Zakamullah khair. Sorry, folks, I had to do that because uh, literally she spent a lot of time. And you know what? I think the, the problem is you can't see. She's put a wax seal in the middle. 
yeah, you can just see it there, just in the middle. It's an actual seal. I didn't say Quebec. I said Saadeddin Quebec, scum of this universe, the enemy of all enemies. Anyway, you'll get to you'll get to know him when you uh, watch uh, when you watch uh, when you watch uh, Urthur. All right, folks, my apologies, but uh, uh, she she worked hard, so I said I'll do it. All right, folks. Um, where was I? What what was uh? Come on, Mesa, man. Where where, where, where where did she interrupt, man? Allahumma, I mean, Allah protect us all, man. Mufti Jubair Bhatt and his entire family have just recovered from uh, uh, the virus. By the way, that's very good news. Spoke to him yesterday, a friend of mine. Um, following the imam, yeah, search the photo followers. Yeah, I was just saying, yeah, sorry, yeah. The imam did not thank you. Imam did not recite tashahud and everyone stood up, right? Um... Uh, and and every, so here, what's going to happen? The imam has messed up this sitting down, and he's now made in his mind. It's now clear that he's realized that. Oh, hold on, I've messed this up. So he's an imam. He knows how to fix it. He is going to at the end of the prayer. Okay, he's going to do the sajda uh, sahu. Now you didn't do anything wrong, as Rehana just said. You didn't have to do it. You didn't do anything wrong. But you have to do the sajda. Of course you do. So that's the that's the evidence for uh, a person uh, in our scenario, the one who decides to sit down. You, just because you didn't do the mistake doesn't mean that you don't have to do the sajda. Is that clear, everybody? Is everybody happy with all of that? Yeah. Uh, if we are, then let's get on to our actual uh, uh, section. All right. So min jinsi salah. So this is a continuation of his statement. Wa uh, amalun. مستكثر عادة من غير جنس الصلاة يبطلها عمده وسهوه ولا يشرع ليسيره سجود ولا تبطل بيسير أكل أو شرب سهوة ولا نفل بيسير شرب عمدا That's what we're going to cover in today's uh, 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 session which is the translation of Actions not from the genus of the prayer, all right, performed in a quantity that would be considered a lot. That's what we covered last week. Today, invalidate the prayer, whether done intentionally or unintentionally, because it's a lot. It's huge actions, right? It is not legislated to offer, however, the prostration for an insignificant for an insignificant number of such actions so small actions right so small actions yeah small actions will um do not require a prostration of correction okay then ingesting small amounts of food and drink do not invalidate the prayer. Ingesting small amounts of food and drink do not invalidate the prayer. The supererogatory Why is this translation so bad? Was I drunk when I did it? Ingesting small amounts 
of food and drink. Do not evaluate the prayer. <laughs> Unbelievable. Right. May so remind me, yeah, we've got to correct that. When it is done out of uh, 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 forgetfulness, yani, unintentionally, all right, that should say, guys, if you're looking at your text, that should say it is not legislated, sorry, ingesting small amounts of food and drink do not invalidate the, ingesting small amounts of food and drink unintentionally do not invalidate the prayer, okay? The supererogatory prayer is also valid if one drinks a small amount intentionally. Yep, that's correct. So a very important word has been left out, unintentionally, okay? Ingesting small amounts of food and drink unintentionally do not invalidate the prayer. The supererogatory prayer is also valid if one drinks a small amount intentionally. My apologies, folks, because that's absolutely a mess, okay? That's a mess. I don't know what I did there, okay, folks? Um, so maybe if, uh, Mesa, if you can just put on the screen or here or anybody the, uh, uh, the, the, the correct text so, so that we can be focused on the actual text itself. Just copy and paste it and add the word unintentionally. All right? All right, let's do this. So on page 353, Sheikh says, um, so this is talking about prayers which are not from the genus of the prayer. Yeah, there we go. So actions not from the genus of the prayer performed in a quantity that will be considered a lot invalidate the prayer, whether done intentionally or forgetfully unintentionally. Okay. It is not legislated to offer the prostration for an insignificant number of such actions. Ingesting small amounts of food and drink unintentionally do not invalidate the prayer. The supererogatory prayer is also valid if one drinks a small amount intentionally. And of course, by the word drinks, that does not include eating. Okay, we're going to come to cover all, all of this. So now we just want to just focus on this phrase of not from the genus of the prayer. And everything that we spoke about last week is the actions not from the genus of the prayer. Okay, that means coughing, that means itching, that means opening the door, that means yeah, moving to the side, that means, you know, uh, the, 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 the horse uh, uh, that you're holding starts to walk off and you're holding on to it. Yeah, these are not from the genus of the prayer. Now, as for the actions from the genus of the prayer, we covered it a couple of weeks ago, right? Or maybe a couple of months ago, right? What are those? It's, it's here. It's the, 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 first, the, it's the, it's the first paragraph of this particular section, right? Uh, those are the actions that are from the genus of the prayer. So sitting, standing, bowing, sajda, okay? So, you know, if you do any of those actions, right, uh, in the actual prayer, then we said that if you do any of those intentionally, then the prayer is invalidated. Okay, I'll, I'll explain all of this, folks. I'll explain all of this. Okay, um, so the uh, that is going to be uh, it done whether when it's done intentionally, it is it's uh, those actions. When it's done intentionally, it is the prayer is invalidated, and when it's done unintentionally, then you fix it. Okay, if it's done unintentionally, then you fix it whereas here in this particular part the difference is that when you do those actions according to alhamdulillah school when you do those actions that are not from the prayer whether you do it intentionally or unintentionally or forgetfully 
it invalidates the prayer. So this is much more strict. And the reason for strictness is obvious. It's because it's not, it's actions not from the genus of the prayer. They're foreign to the prayer. So if you're going, you know, mad on the itching, for example, then they're basically saying, you know, whereas if you, you know, you keep sitting down in the wrong position, let's say even 20 times, for example, you keep, let's imagine that you completely lost your mind and you were just going for rukua and you kept going for rukua and then you kept standing up and realizing, what am I doing? What am I doing? Whether you're doing that, whatever reason, however you forgot, but because it's an action of the prayer and it's just mad confusion, all right? I mean, there's obviously a limit where it gets too silly, but the point is, is that it's, it's still a couple of times, right? You fix that with something. In here, we're talking about actions which are not from the genus of the prayer, and therefore, this is all a mess. And if it gets to that level, the Hanbalis are saying that, no, these invalidate the prayer, whether it's done forgetfully, whether it's done intentionally, or whatever it is. Okay? Um, as long as it's a lot. As long as it's significant. As long as it's any significant acts. Right? Now, Sheikh says that what would have been helpful from the author is if he had added a few more explanatory statements because there's more facts that we need to know. There are more restrictions that we, we need to be more specific about these actions. So, for example, Sheikh said that um, he should have mentioned without necessity so that these actions are being so a lot of action that's being done without there being a necessary reason because sometimes there is a necessary reason and if there is a necessary reason then it is permissible to continue that prayer that prayer is still valid because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah 239 that if you have if you are afraid then pray Whilst walking or or riding, this is this is referring to the obligatory prayer and the uh, 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 nafal prayer. This is in an emergency scenario, in a state of war, for example, or in a state state of great fear, where you can't have the luxury of just being relaxed where you are. But the prayer still needs to go on, so it's allowed for you to walk. Now, when you walk, that's clearly outside the 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 the, the, the remit of the prayer. It's outside the jins of salah. It's outside the genus of the prayer. There's no, there's no walking or riding in the actual prayer. But the prayer is valid because there's a text. Is it because there's a text that is valid or is it because of the principle? It's because of the principle. The principle is, is that if there is no necessity in place, then the prayer is going to be invalidated. But if there is necessity, then even a large action, even a large action is forgiven and the prayer is still valid. Okay, um, and also, by the way, it's also important to add another restriction, another specific part, that when we say a lot, we don't mean the cumulative. So when we say a large action, a large number, according to one's culture, of actions that are not from the prayer, they will invalidate it, whether done forgetfully or whether done uh, 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 intentionally. When we say that a lot, we don't mean a lot in the cumulative sense. We mean continuous. What does that mean? It means, for example, the reason itch is, is not a necessity or, 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 or irrelevant to this discussion is because an itch is not going to be a lot. All right? So when would an itch invalidate the prayer? An itch would invalidate the prayer if from the beginning to the end, you have not stopped with your right hand itching. 
from the beginning to the end, in ruku, standing up, in sajda, where it's completely just and it dominated the prayer. There's no doubt exactly when it doesn't look like you're praying. It's just it's a joke. However, cumulatively, some people would say, yeah, it's the same. So, for example, if I'm praying dhuhr, and every time I'm in the in Fatiha, just about halfway through, the itch comes back, and I give it a proper itch, proper scratch, and then I come back, right? And then while I'm sitting there in between the two sajda, and I feel it again, and I do it again there for, say, three seconds or something, which is significant. One, two, three. That's a lot, okay? Now, now, when you are adding it up at the end of the prayer, right, that is a total of, say, what, say 25 seconds, 24, 25, 30 seconds. Now, imagine if I'm in the prayer, one, two, three. Four, five, six. You get the point. 30 seconds is a huge, huge amount. But the ruling is not based upon um, cumulative totals. The ruling is about continuity. Does that make sense, everybody? So if a person did small actions in each rak'ah, which individually they wouldn't bring attention to yourself, Okay, then um, that does not invalidate the prayer. All right, you don't add up the time that's taken with the actions or the amount. It's not a cumulative total. Does that make Does that make sense? Can everybody yani, confirm that that makes clear sense? And by the way, I'm not getting any indication that there's a problem uh, with the uh, uh, thingy. All right, now Fizza says necessity, being worried that you'll forget the point, so you write it down. No, no. So. I mean, look. Uh, 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 let's let's not get confused between different things. Uh, when we spoke about the writing something down, that was a minor act. All right, minor act. The idea was that Sheikh Uthaymin is arguing is that that's something which is very important for what's going to come afterwards. And because Shaitan Yani has reminded you, and you might as well take advantage of the dog, so he's put it into your head, and you are going to need it. So you might as well. And so write it down. But the whole point of that was that it's not a significant move, right? The whole point is that it's minor. It's not yani mustakthir ada. All right. It's not something which is uh uh you know considered to be uh you know something too significant. Um and of course it's subjective, of course it's subjective. A mother helping a child to wear the sweater while in salah because the child is yelling bad badly in jama'ah. I think that there's space for that. Yeah. I think that that would be a permissible act. It doesn't get into the... I don't even think that gets into the realm of necessity. Like, I don't think you need to play the necessity card there, Umm Ruqayya. Yani there was a simple fact that that, that it was allowed that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that um, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on, on a few occasions lifted children up in the prayer and we've already said it's allowed to lift the child up to keep them calm, would obviously be a lot less, well, not a lot less, but at least the same of putting a jumper on a kid, right? All right, so just put it like that. Um, and for example, yeah, Auntie Shaquille is saying there, you know, I sneeze, you need to blow your nose, completely fine to take something out, to blow your nose. These, I, I, you know, again, I remind you all of last week, all right, that there's a lot of actions a lot of flexibility if you need to do things. Uh, we spoke about, again, Mesa might need to signpost 
uh, especially Anta Shakila, but the rest of the new folks here, we cover this in a lot of detail, all right? The main thing is that, um, uh, uh, that the action is not something which makes a person think that the person is not praying. It's yani, something that needs to be done, wiping the nose, coughing, putting tissue in, out. You know, um, the, uh, the uh, phone example is an absolute, yeah, thank you, Fizza, that's the one, yeah? Muting a ringing phone. Yeah, when people don't understand this, they cause a lot of harm to the rest of the people. They say, I can't do anything. I'm completely frozen. I'm not allowed to move. You know, if I do two movements, my prayer is invalidated. And so, and and that's what we covered uh, Iram, last week, right? We said there's no evidence that talks about one hand or two hands or this. And I covered that again. Review the, the lesson. I spoke about this point in detail, Iram. Okay. Um, now, uh, uh, so a person should definitely, their phone's ringing, they should look at their phone and, you know, to understand where it is, take out the phone, put it on silent or turn it off and put it in their pocket. And that should be that's completely fine. It's something which is, you know, uh, your hand is uh, is uh, is uh, still there and uh, so on. Right. Where are we now? Yeah, but what the... My, my, my point is, there's a massive difference between an itch lasting the whole prayer. We never said that the itch doesn't last the whole prayer. But then a person just sitting there and just yeah, and itching the whole prayer. Massive difference. Okay? I think so. I don't think that it is uh, haram to check the time. I don't. Uh, we even spoke about this in the section of uh, the uh, 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 looking at the, the Qibla, for example. Is, is iltifat... Yeah, and turning away something which is and completely haram. We said that there are some evidences that indicate that the Prophet ﷺ himself looked away, but we can also we can see that there are clear justifications each time that he did that, clear reasons why he did that. Some of the companions were a bit lenient in this looking away. And when you look away at something, okay, um, it doesn't necessarily mean you have invalidated the prayer. So a person you need to look at the time for example, because they know that they started the prayer, they got to keep it within a certain time gap. I think that's it's not from the adab of the prayer. It doesn't it doesn't look good. It's not that which is done by good practicing Muslims. It completely interferes with the khushu. Of course, it does. But we're saying if there's a a, a person, uh, uh, he said, always uh, uh, did say, is there's a haja, meaning there's a need. Absolutely, uh, there's no problem with that. Is no problem, but in general, Prince, in general, we shouldn't do that, of course, in normal normal circumstances, right? Just because they're bored, then we look at the time. What the hell was that all about? You're in the prayer, right? But in the and Nabi said that in the prayer, you are meant to be busy, you are meant to be busy, meaning in the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is actually one of the important things we're going to cover in a little while when we talk about whether it's true what the humblies say about eating and drinking. Uh, in the prayer, okay. Um, all right, so the Hanbalis say that it is invalidated whether it is done, um, intentionally or uh, uh, uh lots, uh, lots of action, big action, okay. This is what we're covering now, Ambrian, okay. Big action, significant action. If you do that, uh whether you do it intentionally or unintentionally in the Hanbali school, this is to be, this is invalidated. Again, for the people who keep asking about 
picking up child and this and that. What we said is that these are not significant actions, right? You definitely, if you're not getting that, definitely the last class needs to be reviewed again, okay? So we're talking about major actions like walking uh, 20 meters or, uh, I don't know, itching all the way through the prayer or, you know, I don't know, I don't know, okay? Just let your imagination run wild. Sheikh Uthameen wants to make a point. He disagrees with the statement unintentionally. He's not happy with that. done intentionally, people do the actions on purpose. So an itch done all the way through, even though it's got a reason, okay, it it it, it is done continuously so that the whole prayer is ruined, then this is done intentionally. This is now not looking like the, not, not looking like the prayer. Person needs to go and fix up. Now that's different from, of course, from a person who has taken the precautions, changed their clothing, taken the medicine, has a very little time left for the prayer, and they've got that itch which is destroying their prayer. This would then come under necessity. But in a normative scenario, this would not be a necessity. So the necessity card can't be played. So done intentionally, big actions invalidate the prayer. But the humblies say that even done forgetfully invalidate the prayer. Sheikh Uthameen says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already forgiven us. And that, that, that's the position of some of the scholars. The second position... Also existing within the Hanbali school, by the way, and many other scholars, okay, not the majority though, is that, and this is the top of page 354, that if it is done forgetfully and unintentionally, then it doesn't invalidate the prayer. Because you are not to be held accountable for that which you are not aware of. All right? However, that's Sheikh Uthameen's argument. And now Sheikh Uthameen's argument is also restricted in that he says and he admits that but of course it can't completely destroy the nature of the prayer so he goes for example if there's a person who's praying and in the middle of the prayer he just like completely forgets what's going on and he's hungry so he goes and sits at the, <laughs> the dinner table and he starts eating okay completely forgetting that he's in the prayer then he goes this is no doubt that this is Obviously, big act, moving out, sitting down, eating. That's one thing. Now we've got to look at the issue of... Uh, uh, for, bro, you know what it is? Never say never. Never say never, Mesa. Okay? I'm telling you 100%. If I'm going to teach you at least one thing from the death of Sean Connery, okay, then you should know that his last... His last... Uh, thing, yeah, I was reading his obituary... His last Bond film that he did was called Never Say Never because he said never again. And then they offered to him with a huge contract. And his wife said to him, I told you, never say never. And then he said, you know what? You're, you're bang on, right? And he made Ian Fleming and whatever uh, agree to name the film Never Say Never Again. How about that, Yanni, for a random piece of pointlessness? So, so never say never. So, um, something will happen. And you know what it is? I'm trying to think of a crazy one. But if there's someone, he died, man. He died last week. Warda, well, thank you for keeping up. Um, <laughs> but in fairness, yeah, the guy had gone off the scene completely. So the question is, anybody here can think of a mad one? Like a mad one. Where they've done mad one. Anyone? That's a, that's the a real question. I've been trying to think of it. Where in the prayer... You see, Harris, okay, <laughs> he said, I don't know whether I'm in a good mood with you or not. I'm in a good mood with you. 
Harith, that's not a significant hand. No, no, real life, Mahbub. I want real life. I want real life. Someone's done something. I'm telling you right now. No, you see, these are not these are not significant actions. Turning some, I've turned someone else's phone off in the prayer, by the way. I've picked up someone else's phone and turned it off. Salam, yani, and raising your uh, raising your hand is a sunnah hadith in the prayer. So you guys like are not what not focusing on what I want. Okay, yeah, answered the phone and chatted. Now that is what I'm talking about. Abid, tell me that you've done that. Man up and say, yeah, I did that. So we can slate you for the rest of your life. Okay. Five meters is a bit a bit too much. Smacking the, the man. Yani, I don't know about that. I think that that's within the realms of people, Yani. You know, uh, because you're allowed to stop someone quite violently if they are, you know, cutting your prayer, right? So, yeah. His phone rang and he took the call and he said that. I think that is, yeah, at least stop someone. Absolutely. Zakaria is right. I mean, it's it's actually, I consider this to be from the jinns of the prayer. Okay. And it's out of necessity because, he, I mean, he would say, you know, uh, I, I mean, you guys know what happened. Obviously, uh, Ali radiallahu anh was uh, in the line and the guy came behind him to stand alone and he wanted someone to be with him. And so he, you know, like the the, the the Arabs do, because the packs wouldn't even dare dream touching you because they'd rather die than touch someone in the prayer. But Arabs ended every day and night and slapping people, you know, uh, pushing and touching people's and pulling them here, you know, help me become the second person in this line. I don't want to be alone. Someone did that to Ali radiallahu anhu, tried once, tried twice, and the third time he turned around, bops. Okay. So this is not a lot of movement, just an arm. Slap the guy, no major. We already know that that's allowed for someone who is cutting the prayer. But here, now, you know, um, I, I don't think that's it. Any, you know, I, I'm okay with that. Someone joined you in the prayer from the left side. So I walked all the way around them to make them on the right of me. He clocked on and ended up leading the prayer. That's a mess up, man. That's a mess up. Um, that's right. Well done, Majid. And that person, um, I was I was told that directly, by the way, from one of his uh, one of my own friends who was in his dars Sheikh Uthameen, pushed uh, uh, a person, Yani, in the prayer as well, who was keep doing the whole foot, Yani, you know, putting the foot right so close that is you know standing on the toe kind of thing. Okay, no, no, I don't think you can hit people who burp, man. Otherwise, we'll be hitting all the uncles every day and all night. That's a disaster. Right, now focus, folks, right? So, so this person who goes and sits down and, and, and eats, he's obviously forgotten, right? But the, 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 the thing is, it's not because it's a big action. We know that, right? The thing is, is that the prayer has now been so, like, destroyed. It's like just too much. That's what I'm trying to say. It's just too much. So there's no doubt that this has uh, completely ruined the prayer. But if it doesn't, ruin the prayer if it doesn't not ruin the prayer it doesn't contradict the structure and the form of the prayer even though it's a lot okay the action is big then the correct position Sheikh Uthameen claims is that it does not invalidate the prayer because the 
maxim in the qaida al-shar'iya the maxim is that the prohibited act action is excused out of ignorance and forgetfulness the prohibited action is excused out of forgetfulness and out of ignorance and forgetfulness all right so basically Sheikh Uthameen's position is that. Now, I want to say to you, right, that if we just focus on this, the Hanbalis are saying that whether you do it forgetfully or not, if you do a big act, right, then the prayer is invalidated. Okay? Whereas if you want to um, follow Sheikh Uthameen's position, then if you do it forgetfully and it doesn't ruin them, it's, it, it's not a madness, okay? It's not like a madness where you go and have a three-course dinner or something, yeah? And it's thingy, then it doesn't invalidate the prayer. Now, what's the class position or where am I yani, in this debate? I have to say to you that from a evidence point of view or from a yani, a tasawwur point of view, the way that I understand this religion, I am with Sheikh Uthameen in spirit, in spirit. Yet I hesitate, I hesitate, and I think I feel more comfortable with what the Hanbalis are saying, right? I'd rather a person stick to that. And uh, I, I remember Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti explaining this point once, okay? And Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar, Hafizahullah Ta'ala wa what he said is that this really depends um, according to the, the uh, well, exactly Shazad, right? There's only one Shazad, I mean, let me just make that very clear because a lot of people get confused. There's only one Shazada, but when it comes to Shazad, there's only one Shazad, and that's Shazad, I mean, and there's only one Shazada, who's my princess, he is, isn't he? Yeah, because he's a princess, but there's only one. Shazad, I mean, I just want to make that clear. He gives an excellent example. Similar to eating unintentionally during fasting does not invalidate the fast. Yes, there's no one who disputes that. But then also, uh, uh, Shazad, also uh, in the prayer, if you do a small act unintentionally, then that also doesn't invalidate the prayer. We're talking about a major one. So if a person sits down, Okay, and he, yeah, you know, he starts eating and then eating more and more. Although you, you got a point. What if my guy basically just completely just felt felt this is normal? So then he asked for another course, then he asked for another course, then he asked for another course. Technically, if he's forgotten, you're right, actually. I'm glad that you made that point. Well, anyway, this is why Sheikh Uthameen and a number of, yeah, yeah, and he, yeah, uh, 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 uh. that's why Sheikh Uthameen and a number of other uh, scholars did say and take this position, the second position, which is also in the Hanbali uh, school, right? That forgetfulness forgives the, 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 the act and the prayer is valid. Now, the Hanbalis, now Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti will argue, and he did argue this, and I have to say, I find it very convincing, this argument, okay? And it's essentially the, the argument of the Hanbali school. And maybe I should say the majority of the scholars. 
and that is that forgetfulness only excuses the sin, not the not the the hukam itself. That there's a debt, where the haq of Allah is a haq an as Allah, as the Prophet said, that the right of Allah is more deserving to be fulfilled than anything else. And so, if a person does something forgetfully, right? So normally, if you did it intentionally, this is the way of understanding it. If you were to eat intentionally in the prayer, not only have you done something which is haram, you have invalidated your prayer, and you have to pray again, and you got sin for it as well, right? If you are unintentionally uh, eating in the prayer, then what are what is the madhab uh, uh, saying? They're saying that the prayer is still invalidated. Sheikh Uthameen says that the prayer is not invalidated because forgetfulness lifts everything. And I'm saying, uh, or Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankriti is saying, no, what forgetfulness lifts is the sin of eating because you didn't you didn't realize. But you, why is the prayer yani, saved from this? The prayer is owed to Allah in the correct method. And so therefore you've got to pray. So I'm torn between, and I always have been, and so that's why I have always acted, once I understood that from Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar, I, I took this as, as my own personal practice. And we can say that the class position is the Hanbali school. However, I personally believe Sheikh Uthameen is right. I just think that what are, and I generally have that approach, right? I generally prefer to be stricter, especially upon myself and especially in terms of the way I teach. I try to be anyway, or I prefer the safer approach as opposed to the riskier one. But here, I, I feel that Sheikh Uthameen's understanding of forgetfulness, allowing the prayer to continue, just like yani, the example we talked about in the food, and yani, the sin to be lifted, I think makes more sense from maqasid al-sharia. But when I think about it, the logical argument, I think is very strong. That actually forgetfulness only lifts the sin, not the ruling, and you have to then do the act regardless. Does that make sense, folks? Did my explanation make sense? And so I think that the class position should would just be sticking to the humbly position, which is that whether you do it forgetfully or whether you do it intentionally, if you do a big, major, significant action in the prayer, which is not from the genus of the prayer, then one uh, uh, has invalidated the prayer. Okay? Invalidated the prayer. Um, so now let's uh, let's look at some of these questions. Because we've done an hour, and I want to. Um, uh, da, da, da. What about uh, when kids come up and are incessant about the request, and you need to confirm or deny it by shaking of the head? Isn't the concern more that you have to obviously take your attention away from your prayer to listen to the request? Yeah, but but taking your attention away from the prayer per se is not something which invalidates it, because your attention is away from the prayer all the way from the beginning to the end. We've already been told that. The Prophet ﷺ said that a person stands in front of Allah and he will either take a, a, a tenth of it or he'll take a eighth of it or a sixth of it or a half of it. Yani meaning that he's already absent-minded. And we know that shaitan comes. So that's not the issue. You're fighting that always. I think it's okay to indicate with your hand, be quiet or stop or whatever. Okay? Can you please address the issue of these actions interfering with correct movements of salah. I didn't expect you to say that you need to put the child down to make ruku. No, no. You can hold the child. I, I explained this last week. I said, which unless it's a tiny baby, who can hold a child in ruku? 
You must have the abs and the arms of a bodybuilder, bro. Are you kidding me? Yani, unless it's tiny, right, then absolutely keep them. But I'm saying that normally you're struggling so much to hold a kid, right, that it messes you up even more. But if you can put, you know, I remember when uh, Issa used to be just small, I used to tuck him under my arm. So when I was, when I was in Sajda, and in Ruku, and he was crying, doing my nutting, I'd pick him up, put him under my arm, and he was small, right? Uh, uh, try and do that for someone over over one or two years old or three years old, then it becomes uh, 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 a problem. Now, should it, if you've got the, uh, the, uh, the the possibility of putting the child down and, and you know that putting the child down for a few seconds is not going to cause a problem and allow you to do a proper report, that's what I prefer. Because to pick the kid up again, Yanni, I don't think there's a problem with that. Whereas if you're saying that... Um, but no, I, 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 I'd rather hold on to the kid, but I'm not in recall properly. Like I'm halfway or I'm, I don't know, you know, not having, having got my hands on my knees, for example. Um, then I, 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 I don't think that's justified unless the kid is going to continue to scream and cry. And that's the only way out of that scenario. Then I think because of the need, I think there's some laxity, inshallah. Okay. It, is it not right that there are scenarios where even a person does something out of forgetfulness and then at times there's something... There's still something due of that person, even if he is not sinful. That's exactly what that's what, uh, what Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankati. Uh, that's his point. Okay, that's exactly his point. Um, the class position, the prayer is invalid, but the person is not sinful. Correct. Yes. Have I covered handling kids? Yeah, I think I have. Um, when you're when you when the prayer is <laughs> wait for my question. Thank you for telling me now. Yeah, honestly, right. When your prayer is invalidated, do you need to end it with taslim? No, you don't, but we'll we'll come to that later. Um, right, okay. Now, we're an hour in. Let's just finish off this. Then Sheikh then says that it is not legislated. There is no requirement. There is not legislated for minor actions in the prayer that you do that are not from the prayer, like a, a like a quite a you know problematic itch. Or a kid came and you felt you had to pick him up, right? And you picked him up and you you know that you wouldn't have done that normally. You wouldn't have taken your phone out and turned it off normally. You wouldn't have sent Yanni send to a message, for example, very important message or whatever, or look at a watch or made the movement to open a door or any of these things. Okay. You would not have done them normally, but they are small actions. They are small actions. Should you make such the sahu at the end? Answer is that no, it is not. Uh, legislated for that to be done. It is not le legislated for it to be done simply because the Prophet never did it. We know that these actions of moving and opening doors and XYZ was done by the Prophet picking up a kid, carrying the kid in the prayer, and never after the prayer did we have a report that he did sajdisahu or sujudisahu, and neither from the companions. And so um, that is, although there are something from the companions, let me just correct myself. Um, but not from the Prophet. So that's the reason why the Hanbalis are being very forceful and saying it. However, we have a question here. Nobody said that you need to uh, do that. And th this is not the part, Sheikh Uthameen brings this point up. He says, this is not the section in which you would talk about doing a, 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 a sujood al-sahu, a prostration for forgetfulness. Why would you talk about that right now? We're speaking about yani, actions which invalidate the prayer, which are a major. So why are we doing it now? And the reason 
Sheikh Uthameen says that the author is mentioning it is because he knows that there's a difference of opinion on the issue. And because of the difference of opinion on the issue, he's wanting to kind of state his case. He wants to put his case forward. And that's basically what's going on. And that difference is there are some people, by the way, some scholars that consider. Um, uh, and when there's no need, uh, there's, a, there's a principle in, 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 in understanding fiqh texts. What's that principle? When an author mentions something that is irrelevant intrinsically to the matter at hand, the general principle, the general rule is that he's done that or she's done that to indicate that there's a difference of opinion on that issue. So when something seems out of place or why is that being mentioned, okay, then it indicates that either there's a difference of opinion, either there's a difference of opinion on that particular issue and he wants to state his case or there's a controversy or there's a controversy. That's why you, uh, you know, and a controversy which is not necessarily a controversy which is acceptable, meaning that it's a khilaf issue, but it might be a bid'ah that needs to be clarified. That's why, for example, um, those who study aqidah, um, you will find in texts, especially written by the Hanabila, right, or the Hanbali school, and especially anything which is connected to Imam Ahmed when he's making statements of, of, of aqidah, creed, he will include. Like, I mean, I'm just giving an example, all right? He will say something along the lines of, um, and that we believe in Allah and his messenger, and we believe that the rightful khalif was Abu Bakr and Umar and whatever, and that you can wipe over the socks. Okay? Like you're thinking, what has wiping over the socks got to do with absolutely anything? All right? Or the, the, the khuf, I should say, to, to avoid the, the confusion, right? And exactly. What he is doing is making a very, very clear statement of creed that the Sunni aqidah, this is what we believe, because the Rafida, the extreme Shia, and maybe even we can argue actually even the moderate ones do not accept the mas'ah. All right? So it's a creedal point. It's now been elevated from fiqh point to creedal point. So that's a general principle that you should know from authors, that when they mention something that is not necessarily relevant to the issue at hand, it is because... It is because there is some difference of opinion or there's a significant thing that needs to be mentioned. I love the fact that you saw a young girl in Tarawih taking a selfie. And that's a madness right there, you see. That's that's a, that's a madness. Right. Um, with that done, um, let's just look at this. In the opinion of Sheikh Uthameen, where the, where the prayer is not invalidated by unintentional acts, does he at least require sajda sahu or not? Um, According to him, he doesn't mention it either way, right? He doesn't mention it either way. So we've got to now think, if a person has done extra actions in the prayer in of itself, if it's been forgiven, then there should be no such as And that's why he doesn't mention it, okay? Um, and I have to say that um, you know that I, I like the idea that if a person forgot something and was just forgetful and they left something which they normally... Uh, enjoy, uh, you know, they would normally do and enjoy and be part of their prayer. Then I feel I find I find that person to be guilty, and I I, I, I like the idea that a person would do sajda for that basis, not because they did a mistake per se, but because of you know just that point. You know what I've noticed, yeah, that that flickering didn't occur this entire session other than that first two minutes. This is really pushing me towards a port 
uh, issue. It really must be a port issue, especially if we think about this with my Poirot, Ecule Poirot hat on. It said no signal, which when I pressed it, it was fixed immediately. However, at that moment, it was doing the uh, flickering. Why did it only flicker at the point where there was some connection issue? Once it's been in, it hasn't. You know what the test is, guys, yeah? The test is for these next few minutes to kind of wiggle a, uh, 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 one of these cables. That's what the real test is. Yeah. I think, Yanni, I'm going to do that. I have one, actually, Zakaria, by the way. I have one. Bro, I've got some Peaky Blinder hats here, which, honestly, they're amazing from my own, I mean, from, from my own manner, proper. There's so much yeah, amazing headwear I could wear. I've got some cowboy hats from Texas. Sheikh Wadi's got me some sick ones. Bro, don't step to me in hats. But, you know, people then don't they say I'm not taking the Dean seriously and all the rest of it. Right. Um, yeah, we've gone on a bit, uh, a bit. So let's let's uh, let's just do some uh, uh, Q and A. I was going to do some more to talk about the the food and stuff, but you know what? Let's just deal with some questions here. All right. Um, so, uh, so if you, if your question wasn't answered before, folks, then put it forward now. On the sajda sahu, Adil asks: After the salam and the two sajdas, do you start the tashahud again? I, I indicated that in the last lesson or the one before that I do not follow that position, okay? That you ex exit the prayer. And that's the position of the majority. It's only the Hanafi school that do that, but they do it with good reason. We are going to cover that later on, okay? They do it because of a, a narration that's narrated by Imam Abu Dawood and some of them consider it to be authentic. The majority consider it to be weak. I consider that riwayah to be weak. So that's why the majority of scholars, they do exit the prayer immediately. They don't do At-Tahiyyatu uh, Lillah or Allahumma Salli Ala Muhammad again, which is the pack way, which every, all of us were brought up, right? You do the sajda, then you start it again, and then you do the salam, right? That's the pack way. All right. Um, so let's have a look here. I'd have a uh, Biden shirt if he was alive. I don't want to respect the guy. When, when is he alive or what? That's the that's the real issue. Honestly, because every time I look at him, I think he's either dead or about to die. Right for the end of the Q. Okay, if a baby with a dirty diaper lies down on the prayer rug and we do sajda from on top of them, is that fine? Yeah, unless there's a reason to think that uh, the prayer area has been soiled with najasa. Uh, and, and remember what I said in the Telegram group. By the way, can someone put the link to the Telegram group if there are people who are joining the class who don't know about it? Okay, because that's where we discuss quite a lot of this stuff, yeah? Um, as I said before, the, the, a child's of two types, right? A male baby who only urinates, although I know you said dirty, and by dirty you mean yani number two, but let's just make it clear that dirty is whether it's wet, whether it's just urine or whether it's feces as well, for boy and girl, if both of them are eating solids. Whereas if a boy, baby boy, who has not started eating solids, urinates in a diaper, then that is an exception. 
and that would not be considered something which yeah any i mean it still would you still put your kid down and and so on but the najasa level is much much more reduced right so basically assume all kids all diapers wet or um number one or number two so in this scenario if you're not touching the kid and the kid hasn't put any najasa onto the area then it's okay okay a menstruating woman's bleeding stops based on experience she thinks that the menses have ended so she does a ghusl couple have marital relations after a day her menses return and she realizes that one day in the middle what that well, that one day in the middle was part of the menstruation is the couple sinful and have to pay kafara in this case in my opinion the answer is no and they are not sinful because they they judged on all of the normal signs and the only thing that they uh might have made the mistake on is thinking about the length of time and uh but they only uh they only did that because they saw that all of the external signs internal signs indicate that it's finished um in terms of betterment or the safer side women wearing t-shirts and trousers etc tight clothing in front of their own young kids under the tent at home what is the safer better approach so from a sharia point of view there's absolutely no problem how you dress at home okay however tight this that blah 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 the problem is the problem is habit okay and this all comes down to how you understand the psychology of uh, kids especially and so on and i think there's definitely a lot to be said for how um young boys and especially young girls pick up habit and if they are wearing baggy clothing all the time at home okay then uh i mean that would be my preference now you know women are not interested in either my preference or their husband's preference okay that's that's just a fact because women are women they like to look beautiful they like to look how they want to look and strictly speaking islamically in terms of evidence I can't say it's haram and you know like i'll tell you about in my own house i have no problem telling you in my own house i disagree with my wife on this point okay but i also know my limits right i know my limits because if something is from a if i cannot make it clear from a shari point if i cannot state something to be haram i'm never going to go and put upon people that which allah hasn't okay uh, from evidence even though i'm absolutely convinced i've seen enough in my life i've seen it with my own kids i've seen it yani, i've studied yani, this from a psychology psychology point of view let alone the sociology of it which is even more dominant forget the psychology at the individual level but the society what it uh, causes that when you see when you start something like tight clothing through your young years it's that much more difficult to go to baggy whereas if you have all the time the concept of this modest baggy type of clothing even though it's permissible to have the the opposite especially at home then you just find it easier to then continue that outside now obviously if there's someone who's that intelligent that they're able to divide very clearly between at home wearing this tight and revealing as whatever as i want yeah whether it's for family or whatever it is okay and about outside i become a different animal in front of foreign people i become a different animal then that's that's the best but how many people do you know that that do that? I, I, the, the people that I see, the internal always affects the external, always, and that's my experience, and that's why I would, I would, you know, 
uh, but I can't force that upon people. I mean, I can't, you know, uh, uh, complain against anybody else not doing this when I, even my, in my own family, we have this discussion. So, you know, like I said, it is based upon ishtihad, uh, uh, how you see it. Uh, I know you have covered menstruation, but asking for a little girl, she started a period a few months ago, so no pattern yet. If she gets her period three times in a month, she should be considered the bleeding. Uh, no, see, so this is, uh, uh, by the way, Mr. S or Mrs. Six Minutes Ago, right? You, you, uh, why have you not got your name there? Please, uh, someone explain to this person that is, uh, how to do the name. It's not allowed to have no name on the portal, number one. Number two, this you need to watch the menstruation uh, session because it's a detailed part, or read the notes. Uh, on the Telegram group, someone will, uh, or here, someone will give you a reference. Or if Mace is still with us, then she'll give you the reference to that section. That's a significant uh, area that you are covering. Um, so I've just come to the uh, I just come to the, the 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 top, all right, to see comments about the clothes. So Umr Qayyas says something interesting. I feel girls are more willing to cover outside when they have freedom at home. My experience is not the case. That, that, that is not the case. If you're talking about, one second, I'm making a difference here between elder girls who know, yani, they understand the ruling. Oh, that's what we're, we're not talking about those. We're talking about children. We're talking about children who don't know any better, just like Salah. Yani, no child likes to pray. All right. When they're young, they do it because they get lots of sweets and lots of love and oh, it's so cute. And then when they start to get a brain, okay, like I look at Hiba, Hiba the little fish, yeah? If she knows I'm looking at her, then she'll come and she'll stand with me to pray. But if she knows that I haven't seen her, right, she will avoid absolute all eye contact. She'll tiptoe and she'll hear all of us yani, making the iqama and establishing the prayer, but she will not come. Because why would she? Why would you? I wouldn't, right? Yeah, and if I can now sit on the iPad and watch this or eat that or chill this, why would I want to go and pray 15, 20 minutes? Yeah, and he's standing there, bored out of my head, right? So that's why in our deen, okay, in our deen, uh, we introduce things even though they, 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 you know, the consequences can't be seen immediately. So at seven, when you start to tell the kids to pray and 10, you discipline them over it, it's not because they have to at that age or not. So same with the girls. Right, same with the girls, or not just girls, but same with the girls, uh, same, same with little girls and clothing. Uh, the, the, the truth is, is that at that age, the majority of them uh, will want to dress like this. Um, and uh, uh, outside, they will just continue with what they are used to and what they enjoy, and so on. If you don't yani, introduce the other idea of baggier clothing, then at a young age, you're going to have a problem when they get older. When they get older, there's no doubt that's something different because then they know. That's you know. I said my ideal scenario is for women to wear exactly what they want inside and to be perfect in front of the foreigners, strangers, and people outside. That's the that's the dream. The question is, how do you get there, right? And I understand the theory that when you're relaxed with people at home and allow them to get what they want, then then they develop a trust with you, so that they they take you seriously when you request for them to dress outside. I completely accept that argument completely because they know that it's not oppression, this, that, whatever. It's them understanding that this is how we dress in front of these type of people. This is yani, how we dress in terms of these kind of people. So there is, 
there is this yani, uh, path, right? There is this uh, 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 paradigm. Uh, right. Um, what, what, what else was uh, thingy? Uh, Hiba asks about a person who's bedbound, only can stand for uh, stand or sit for very short bursts, and the time remaining for salah is not long enough for them to make it to the bathroom for wudu. Can they make tayammum? No, they can't make tayammum because water is present. But that, absolutely, they have someone who helps them make wudu, 100%. Okay? That they should have someone who makes wudu. And I just want to say that tayammum shouldn't even be in part of the conversation. Rather, if there's a person who is unable to get up to make wudu, right? Then they keep their wudu. Okay? They keep their wudu. They make their wudu once and they keep it. And they 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 combine the prayer, for example. It's much more easier for me to say a person who's on the bed can combine their prayers versus, um, uh, you know, water being there and ability being there and they just ignore it and uh, and do tayammum. Okay, Allahu Um As a therapist, a patient disclosed issues related to gender dysphoria, which they would like to work on. Basically, this means I would need to make a straight referral to the LGBT Foundation for them to access relevant support. I blagged it to the patient that a more intense counseling service would be helpful for them to speak about their difficulties. I did this to keep things neutral, i.e. the counseling service would not endorse the patient's difficulties just allow them to explore how it is impacting their mental health. However, I'm almost certain this referral to the counselling services will be rejected based on the patient's problem descriptor. They will also advise within the rejected referral that the patient should be seen by the LGBT foundation as they offer more specialist support. What should I do if this referral gets rejected? So um, I can see obviously a solution there, and that is, didn't you just say that they when they reject it, will say that the person should be seen by the LGBT foundation. Wouldn't that be the referral? That means you've been saved from it. If that's the case, then that's the job done, right? If the answer is no, they will reject it, and you now have to make the next move, okay, and refer them to the LGBT, even though you know that this is not, there's no basis, because a, a person who's hermaphrodite, and, you know, they have a, a gender, uh, uh, obviously there's a gender, disparity there and that doesn't require counseling but 99.9 percent .9 of the market that we're seeing today of all this is complete nonsense and haram obviously that's what people that's what uh, uh everybody needs to know what shahid's asking and you know someone wants to be you know considered to be gay or lesbian or whatever and we know it's all nonsense right it's just hawa it's just desires and are we yeah and it's sinful for saying okay go ahead and you know there's your support service I don't think it's permissible, of course, to um, send them on, okay? And the the truth is, the truth is that there are two ways of looking at this. I will give you the fatwa of one of my own teachers, okay? Um, in the it's a it's a different scenario, and maybe even I'll actually say I don't even think is that analogous. But he was saying that um, if you're working within a system in which an action which is haram is going to happen regardless anyway, then for you to then uh, uh, expedite that, um, 
then for you to expedite that is not as haram as it normally would be. Now, I don't think that that is as relevant here because that example was being given in the concept of emergency contraception. Um, and the idea that it was that even if you consider this to be impermissible and it to be an abortive uh, procedure and you were going to, like the Catholics do, they refuse to dispense emergency contraception, then it is permissible for you to give it because if you don't give it, then the only thing that's going to happen is they're going to go to the next pharmacy down the road and they're going to get it, right? And here the irony is, not the irony, but the fiqh is that if you actually do give it, you've actually done the lesser of the two evils because if you were to send her away and you know that in this country 100% they're going to get it, then the baby has developed that much more. And the abort aborting of it is that much more serious. So you actually give it now, like I said, I don't even consider it an abort efficient. Let me just make it clear. But I'm just you know, explaining what I heard from uh, the, the, the sheikh in, in, in giving this fatwa to someone else who did think it was haram. Right? Um, and I like this. This is the lesser of the two evils. Now, in this case, okay, the problem is, is that we only have half. This is what we, you know, I think it was Maryam who's put in questions, nice ones about Qiyas, right? This is Qiyas al farq right? This is a, a deficient analogy from a legal point of view in that, yes, you are in a country where if you don't do it, someone else is going to. But the difference is, is that if you facilitate it, you haven't done the lesser of two evils. You haven't done the lesser of two evils. In actual fact, it probably is the greater one because the more time that they have to think about it, potentially they could go back or you could then do the referral, etc., etc. If I'm in your position, this is my approach to it because I'm teaching pure Pesa this weekend. And when we come to the concept of unlawful professions, you look at the profession and understand, is it haram in its principle? The answer is no, you're a therapist. Okay, It's a halal job. Thayyid. However, we also know that every halal job has some impermissible aspect. No possibility of avoiding absolutely every bit of haram, which is why the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is to, to advise the people, even who do halal jobs, for shubuhu bi sadaqah, as he said to the businessmen of Medina, meaning that even the most halal of halal halal jobs will have some kind of problem. So you'd give some sadaqah away, and the amount is something nominal, which is reflecting maybe the incidence as pro rata of your week or year, you work out a percentage and you give it away. And that's what you do to cover your your payment for said actions. And as for said actions, I would either avoid the referral by, avoid, by giving it to a colleague who believes in that and is happy to pass it on, or I would just delay it as much as possible. So I would then make the referral to mental services. Because I, for me, absolutely the right thing to do. It's a mental problem, no doubt about it. It's a self-esteem problem. It's a desire problem. It's someone who can't control themselves. Okay? The whole thing about homosexuality, the whole debate on homosexuality... Yeah, is Shazad here or what, man? Where's Dr. Shazad? Honestly, he disappears, man. He's the uh, he's the main guy who would really be able to give you a, a good point on this. But anyway, and maybe on um, uh, Shazad, if you're still there, then maybe write a response on the Telegram group. But I was going to say that... Um, uh, you know, uh, 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 again, me, I would just forward it on. It's blank. It's as much as possible. And then when it comes back and I'm legally obligated, then I don't mind writing to the LGBT and saying, go on, there's, there's, you know, uh, you know, 
because my job is halal. I was forced into this. If I don't do it, I lose my job. And you are not required to lose your halal job based upon a haram aspect. Okay? Pure um, pesa. What you do, yeah, it's a bit difficult, man. I don't know. Yeah, so this is why I said, yeah, there, of course it's long answer. And you, ha as, as I said to you, as I said to you, you do what needs what needs to be done within the law, without being, yani, hooked up. You just do whatever is required. You just do whatever is required, okay, to avoid, yani, being uh, whatever. Now, so uh, you can credibly make a case that there does require a mental referral and you can credibly ask for another pe person to get involved but if it starts getting too many times and they realize that actually you're not being fair or you're being biased then you're gonna have to pull it back so yeah you've got to use your aql like what shazad said you've got to be careful that you don't get complained against and uh uh thingy all right i think um there we go thank you uh mesa for the folks who are asking about young girls, okay, please check out chapter 12, lesson 5. Uh, all right, let's just quickly take um, Hajra and Ihtisham. And this is the last two questions, okay? Hajra says, my husband feels a teenage girl should cover their chest in front of their father and brother. Is this cultural or in the deen? Well, it is actually both. Culture, of course, more stronger, right, than from a religious point of view because we don't have a direct text. However... From Islam, we know that haya and modesty is, is modesty is a is a real thing. It's not just theoretical. And covering body parts is from iman. That that you you know one should know that. And uh, family and so on, they are mahram, but they're not the husband, right? Only the husband is someone in which there is completely no fear of clothes and things like that. Okay, and it is possible. To make other people uncomfortable, and it is possible to create yani um, unnatural sexual responses even in family. So people need to be aware of that, and people shouldn't yani, um, you know, people should you know have respect for that. All right, Ihtisham says with the new restrictions kicking in tomorrow, we have been told that congregational prayers are not allowed and only individual prayers in the mosques. Um, and even that individual prayer, by the way, is not going to happen realistically. Okay, they don't mean what. Because the churches are separate, that's different, right? People go in, there's one person who miskin sits there in a church. You know, it's that classic movie scene. You go in and you find little Baba sitting there in the corner. In the masjids, that's not going to be allowed to, to occur. Some mosques have said they will stay open. So if we go to the mosque and the mosque has ignored the rules and decided to do a jama'ah, is it better for us to join that jama'ah? Or if you go to the mosque and a few people turned up around the same time, so is it better for them to do a jama'ah, keeping two meters apart? Or is it better to follow the rules and just pray individually? In my personal opinion, I see absolutely no problem a person going to the mosque. flipping dogs these people are. Yani, the masjid. By the way, I, I I don't go to the masjid. In COVID, I don't go. And I'm a person, you know, I live in the masjid. Every day, I'm in the masjid, morning and evening. Right? I can't survive without the masjid. But I don't go in COVID. I don't like this congregation. I don't like the deadness, the... I can't cover my face. I hate that. I always uncover my face anyway. Blah, 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 blah. I don't feel comfortable. I don't like the idea that you can't relax and do your zikr. I don't like it. For me, it's not yani, whatever. Even though, but 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 that's all because we we established a jama'ah at home. Right? Now, if I wasn't establishing a jama'ah at home, then I would go to the mosque. There's no doubt about that. Okay? 
Um, but because I've got something which is proper jama'ah, proper everything at home, why would I want to then go and put myself through that? Um, so I'm happy to, for that. But that's me. The times that I've been, it's madness about how safe that place is. It's so extreme. Flip in, pick up your chapel, don't move. Every single prayer through the holiday, through the times where people were eating out, helping out, let alone Yanni right now. We were all Yanni, you know, uh, miles apart. Blah, blah, blah. Can't stop. You had to put your chapel in the bag. Blah, 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 blah. That's the safest place on this planet, bro. The safest place on this planet. So I don't care. Anybody's in the masjid for whatever reason and they make a jama'ah, I have no problem with that uh, whatsoever. All right, folks. Jazakumullah khair. Barakallahu feekum. And, uh, and that's it. Lesson's gone on long enough. Oh, no, no. Wait, wait. We're going to do a test, aren't we? Right. Let's do a test. All right, folks. All right, folks who are part and parcel of the, um, uh, uh, you know, watching the lesson, don't care for the test, then my apologies. Okay. So first, we're just going to, okay, no. Let's go and, let's just go and see whether it's this. Yeah, well, that didn't do anything. So this this is the mini HDMI cable which goes into the, and this is the new one. So I sw I, I changed the cable as well. You see. By the way, oh right, it's just lifted, isn't it? Right. Oh. All right. So there's nothing happening there. And I've moved that there. There's nothing happening there. And I moved the other... Yeah, there's no problem with these cables, bro, because I'm telling you, man, for the Zoom call, the Zoom call, there was no problem. Why, Yanni, if this, if it's a cable thing, if it's a cable thing, then it should be on all... In all uh, uh, it should be on all uh, thingamajigs, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know, man. All right, for the AF off. No, it's got nothing to do with the AF. How can it? All oh, right. Turn the AF off. All right. AF on. No, no, wait. Sorry. What have I done? Menu. Where's menu? Oh, menu. Yeah, there. Right. No, it's got nothing to do with that, Shaz, man. But I've turned it off anyway. Right? That's not doing anything, man. That's just got to do with the kind of focus and stuff. Flickering is... Flickering is something else. Um, so... You know, by the way, just want you to know that Nadif is planning to come. To, I had to spend six hours the other day of clear, clearing up and backing up my C drive because he's going to come and refab, reformat my computer. I hope now everybody can tell Nadif, Yani. And Nadif, I know you're listening. You best not touch my computer, okay? It's obviously not my computer because it happened even on the laptop, even for a few seconds. Listen, guys, I'm convinced there's something to do with YouTube. Honestly. 
One second, guys. All right. Yeah. Fine. Max Lau. So, um, I are we still doing that's... this live? All these miskins are sitting here thinking, what the hell is this? Oh, so, so switch it off and we'll do another one. Another one? Yeah, we'll do another thing. But I, I see with the AF. No, it's not the AF. Um, no, you know what it is? It might be the AF at the start um, because it's trying to focus on its sending. No, 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 no. That's not AF. 100% it's not, no, no, it's not AF. No, AF. Quickly, uh, so I can let everyone go, man. They're sitting here thinking, what's that happening? You definitely wiggled the, the, the where it goes into the camera. Yeah, I definitely did that. You know what I didn't do? I didn't wiggle the power. But the power does, and it's got massive battery, so why would not, that? Not the power, the HDMI. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, camera. yeah, HDMI, of course, yeah. Right, so that's no signal, right? Oh, no, that's... Yeah. Yeah, so you saw the picture go out, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Then it came back again. Yeah. So now that's that. So that so that's been interrupted, right? Okay, and look, it's absolutely clear as beans. It's a brand new cable. Waalaikum salam to Shakila. All right, I'm gonna let these guys go, man. Mr. Kin, they're one's going off for Fajr, one's going off for Asr, one's going off for God knows what. Yani, Barakallahu Rafiq. Salam to Gabriel. Salam, salam to everyone in Scotland. All right, guys. Yalla. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Shadwallah ilaha illallah. Wassalamu alaikum. Um...